everybody. Um, I'm Nathan Mueller, a cropping, sy cropping systems extension educator. Um, I'll be talking about best management practices for winter wheat production in Eastern Nebraska Day. And so we're all on the same page, uh, what we define as Eastern Nebraska. Uh, I'm going to call Eastern Nebraska the three Eastern crop reporting districts by USDA. So uh, essentially from Knox County down to Knuckles County. A little bit about myself, um, if some of you, if I've interacted with some of you in the past, I was previously located in Fremont and Dodge in Washington County the past six years, uh, now located in Wilbur, covering Saline, Jefferson, and Gage County in interim for Lancaster. My area is cropping systems. So um, in terms of interactions is, I guess the first question I have is, what do you want to chat about? Um, there's a lot of things we could go through um, today and obviously talking about wheat management in 25 minutes isn't doable or any crop. Is there any preferences among the attendees on some of these issues that I have listed here in terms of rank? So input from the group. Feel free to type in the chat or turn on your mic. Okay, if we don't have any, I'll just, I'll go through and if you have questions, we can take those at the end too. So just in terms of perspective on rank in wheat, it's similar to corn and soybeans. Uh, management factors, variety selection is number one in Eastern Nebraska. Oh, there's two chats. Uh, fungicide, variety selection and fungicide. Okay, perfect. We'll focus on those two, top two. Um, variety selection, a 20 bushel difference, uh, depending on the variety you would select. Uh, fung foliar fungicide or managing diseases in eastern Nebraska uh, can have about a 16 bushel influence. Row spacing, I get this question a lot um, because people already have 15 inch row drills. Uh, can I drill wheat in 15 inch rows versus seven and a half or eight? Uh, we don't have a study here in southeast Nebraska, but there was in eastern Kansas and they found about a 16 bushel loss with 15 inch rows versus seven and, seven and a half. Uh, planting delays, uh, because we're planting wheat after soybeans 99% uh, of the time in eastern Nebraska, um, it can be up to a, a 10 bushel yield loss with planting delays. And then, of course, uh, seeding rate, uh, that would be, you know, on target to maybe increasing seeding rate, what we might be able to get about five, five bushels. So uh, we'll focus on variety selection and foliar fungicide. Um, I want to cover some online resources real quick before I forget. Um, if you haven't uh, been to my website for Eastern Nebraska crop uh, winter wheat production, it's called croptechcafe.org slash winter wheat. Um, and I'll highlight numerous resources that are available on this, on this page of my regional agronomy website here in the presentation. But again, croptechcafe.org. Uh, another opportunity to stay connected with what's going on with winter wheat production and information. Um, I do have a listserv of about 194 um, producers, agronomists, university personnel and industries um, colleagues that are a part of this listserv. And I do send up uh, no, a weekly during the growing season, monthly in the non part of the growing season called What's Up This Wheat. It just highlights news information that's that's available and, and information you might be interested in. Again, you can sign up for that at croptechcafe.org. Okay, we'll skip over winter wheat production regions. 
And we can always come back to any of the topics that you might be interested in. Okay, variety selection uh, was one of the comments um, that people wanted to learn more about. Uh, so where does this rank in terms of importance? In soybeans, it's about a 15 bushel difference between the top performing variety in a uh, first trial university trial, about 15 bushel difference between variety performance at a plot. Corn, it's about 50. In wheat, it's about 20. So for example, over the past three years in the Eastern Nebraska variety trials, uh, Westbred 4303, um, was 91 and Freeman was 81. So in this case, it was a, it was about 10. Uh, if you look at all of all of the varieties in the plots, uh, some of the older varieties that are still entered, uh, but not pushed as much, that's where you can easily get the 20 bushel difference. And it just depends on locations and years, but 10 to 20 bushels is is pretty typical. Variety trial results are posted each year at our CropWatch website. Um, so CropWatch.unl.edu. A really nice tool to look at variety selection by region, uh, regardless of where you're at, whether you're um, in Kansas, Colorado, South Dakota, um, is you can look at the Colorado wheat variety database. It's ramwheatdb.com. And essentially you can pick your regions and do head-to-head -head comparisons of varieties of how they performed across sites. You can look at multi-year averages at a particular site. So it's a very robust um, analysis tool to help with variety selection. Uh, regardless of where you're located. So all the universities essentially within the Great Plains with winter wheat contribute their data to this database so we can compare and run that type of analysis. And that's a very good tool. What do the variety trials look like? Uh, here's an example of what the variety trial looked like from Google Earth in 2019. Uh, you can see the variation in some of the varieties. The ones that really stick out are some of our long-term checks. And there that that lodge um, and so those are, are pretty noticeable. So these are the types of variety trials. We usually have four to five uh, replications of each variety at per location. So a little bit about the the testing locations where we're at in eastern Nebraska. Uh, we have in Saunders County uh, and Lancaster County will be our eastern Nebraska variety trial locations for 2021. Um, and then in South Central Nebraska, we have Jefferson County, Clay County, and South and Gosper County. So we, we split up the counties uh, or the areas for variety testing a little bit different than the crop reporting districts, um, just focused on where most of the winter wheat acres are at. And that really stems from about Jefferson County uh, moving over into South Central Nebraska. We do tail off in terms of winter wheat acres, not that it's not important, uh, but limiting um, limited funds to, to place variety trials across the state. What I do here I'll have on the map um, are the long-term averages at the variety trial location. So you get an idea of what type of yields we're getting from top yielding varieties. So the map here is the average yields of the top yielding varieties from 2002 to 2020. So the last 18 years, uh, Lancaster was number one, the top yielding variety uh, each year across those 18 years, that, the long, that 18 year average was 88 bushels an acre. So uh, we have the opportunity to raise good wheat yields under good management. In terms of management, all of our locations in 2021 um, in Jefferson, Clay, and Gosper County are wheat following soybeans. Um, at our research stations in Saunders and Lancaster County, which is a Havelock farm and NREC, uh, wheat actually follows oats. So it doesn't really mimic um, the, the, the rotation that we normally see, but that's the way some of the agronomy farms, research farms are set up a lot of times because the winter wheat variety trials are next to the winter wheat breeding plots. 
Um, so that is something that's on our, our to-do list um, to, to change that in the long term. And we do have some drill limitations um, in the Eastern Nebraska with the drill we have now. So um, variety trial information and then variety selection. Um, so what I've done over the years um, through, whether it's at field days, field tours, or in this case, we had videos of each variety, uh, you can go to croptechcafe.org slash winter wheat. And essentially I have what are the recommended varieties by each company or what, what varieties the companies are recommending per region for Eastern and South Central Nebraska. And then I essentially have a highlight of each one of those. So I have a map of target area that the companies are saying they'd like to see those that variety placed. Um, we did produce a one minute short video on all the varieties in the Eastern trial locations this year, Steve Benziger and I. Uh, so there you can watch a, a one minute video on Zenda as an example. And then I go through placement highlights and then management suggestions. So for example, for, for Zenda, one of the management suggestions is, you know, if you have some sandier ground um, and maybe don't have adequate irrigation or you have some low water holding capacity and you're rain fed, which is was pretty typical. You may not want to place Zenda on those acres that has average drought tolerance. It yields really well in eastern Nebraska when we have good moisture. Uh, it doesn't hold up as well when we see some, some more drought tolerances, maybe some other varieties. So um, product placement, just like you see in corn and soybeans, I'm trying to provide that information based on our observations and what the, the companies or the releasing group has known about those varieties. So essentially this is just an example. You can go through probably about 30 different varieties and get the same information at croptechcafe.org. Okay, disease management. Someone else mentioned foliar fungicides. Um, Stephen Wagulo is also um, having a talk which we should be able to get information from on an update on winter wheat disease diseases here for this current year. Um, but for Eastern Nebraska, probably uh, the number one disease that I'm concerned about for numerous reasons is Fusarium head blight or head scab or scab. Um, it's a disease caused by diff two different Fusarium species. Um, the Boothii is, is a new species, probably not quite uh, causing as much damage, but there is actually two that have been documented. Fusarium head blight actually was documented in Eastern Nebraska back in 1898. So we've been dealing with this for now 122 years, or at least that we know of. It survives on the residue in the soil, obviously is influenced by rainfall and humidity prior to and during flowering, and not only impacting yield, but producing vomitoxin or DON, uh, which can be docked um, at the elevator. And these are numbers that they're looking for and can have issues, downstream issues in terms of the, the food and even feed. So Management suggestions for fusarium head blight, obviously crop rotation. Some of the biggest issues I've seen with fusarium head blight obviously is wheat following corn or wheat following seed corn. Um, just because the fusarium species that infect wheat are also the same fusarium species that uh, affect corn. Um, so those are alternating hosts. So anytime we can plant wheat after soybeans, we automatically decrease our risk versus wheat after corn silage or wheat after seed corn or wheat after corn. Um, I get that question a lot. What's the risk of wheat after seed corn, corn silage versus regular corn um, harvest? Uh, obviously the biggest risk is just following regular corn harvest. There is less risk of scab in seed corn and probably even less risk following corn silage because we've used removed a lot of that residue. Um, University of Wisconsin's looked at that and, and so that's what that information and, and some of the observations is based on. 
Variety selection is, is a huge issue um, and that can really help us out. We range from susceptible to moderately resistant to scab among the varieties that are available for Eastern Nebraska. I always encourage growers to pick varieties that are more resistant um, to Fusarium head blight uh, along with weighing out other traits, but that being one to, to consider high on the, the preference list for, for a trait. And so I do have on my website at Crop Tech Cafe, uh, the top rated varieties for Fusarium head blight and a variety selection uh, rating table for diseases uh, that we do update. Steve Wigulo, our pathologist, along with K-State, uh, we work on updating those each year and sharing that with, with growers and agronomists. There is uh, a disease risk mapping um, website that I have a link to on my website as well that looks at risk, but generally our risk is pretty high. If we have some moisture before flowering, so if we have some moisture in uh, middle to end of May and then any moisture in early June, um, scab can, can be quite bad. 2015 was probably um, the worst year out of the past five, but I see it every year uh, when I walk fields with, with growers. Um, so scouting is probably the number one thing to work on in terms of timing. Um, the, we'll talk about foliar fungicides. Those need to be sprayed right prior to flowering and during flowering, and you have about a seven-day window to really protect that wheat from Fusarium head blight uh, during that flowering stage. Something sprayed at flagleaf, um, a strombularin-based fungicide isn't going to help you out at flagleaf when it comes to protecting wheat from Fusarium head blight. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into fungicides. Um, a resource that you might be available in, there is a new visual guide for wheat growth and development. It's developed by Sean Conn at University of Wisconsin. I have about 100 hard copies of these individual guides. Um, you can get them online for free as a digital version. The hard copy does cost money, but I've used some of my local extension funds to buy these. So if you're interested in getting a hard copy of the, the wheat, winter wheat growth um, stage development guide, it's, it's done really well. Um, reach out to me. I'll show you my contact information at the end, and we can maybe get one of those stuck in the mail for you if you're not close by. The reason I bring that up uh, when we're talking about stages, uh, when we for timing for foliar fungicide for serum head blight, we want to be at FIX 10.5.1 is generally the target, the beginning of flowering. And so in terms of products at the beginning of flowering to use in that oh, about seven day ideal window. And if you're using a ground rig that can pose a little bit more restrictions on, on getting in the field if we're in a wet pattern. Um, so a lot of times people are looking at aerial application. Um, three products um, that we recommend for Fusarium head blight that have the most efficacy are Prosaro from Bayer. Uh, it's got um, two active ingredients. Both are triazole um, group three fungicides, Corumba from BASF. And then the new product that just came out last, so oh, about two years ago in limited amount and was widely available last year was a new product called Miravis Ace that several growers I worked with used from Syngenta. It actually has two modes of action as the propiconazole, which is a group three and the new um, SDHI seven. So those are the three products um, that you would use for, for foliar, as a foliar fungicide for scab. You can't use or shouldn't use um, our typical strombularins that we use for stripe rust or leaf rust earlier at flag leaf, they don't have as much efficacy. They can actually make Dawn or that mycotoxin worse um, from some of the studies. Um, so these are the three most effective herbicides um, to use at, at flowering. Mirvis Ace um, over the other two is marketed as having a slightly wider window. 
Um, the companies said that it can be sprayed prior to flowering, maybe late heading. Uh, so you could pick up, maybe spray it three extra days or add a three-day window. So maybe a 10-day window to spray Miravis Ace. Um, Ohio State's looked at this and shown that they did reduce the, F, the reduction or did reduce free serum head blight or uh, amount of, of scabby wheat. Uh, but the dawn numbers weren't as controlled when my, uh, Miravis Ace was sprayed early. Uh, those three early days prior to flowering. So yes, it works for um, controlling Fusarium head blight, but it does it hasn't done a good job at controlling the production of mycotoxin yet. So the, still the target time is at the beginning of flowering. And that's why that growth guide um, is really helpful for crop consultants, especially new crop consultants uh, that might need a little help on, on growth staging and timing for spraying winter wheat. So varieties that are moderate resistant to Fusarium head blight um, based on a variety trial rankings um, are Westbred 4699 on a scale of, of three to nine or three to essentially here three to five for the top ones. The ranking for serum head blight goes from one to 10, one being resistant, 10 being susceptible. Uh, I wish we had susceptible or uh, completely resistant varieties rated a one, but the best we have is Westbred 4699 rated at a three overland which is an older variety now, still at a three. Um, Benefit four, Zenda from K-State five, Westbred 4269 out of five. Uh, LCS Valiant, um, we rated out of five um, last year. Um, and this year that's a newer variety, but it looks like that it would probably be about a five um, in there as well. There is a new variety um, from Westbred, Westbred uh, 40, 4401. Um, that would also be in there at a five now based on our data um, as a new variety this past year in 2020. Next disease, uh, leaf rust. Um, like other rust diseases that we see in corn, such the southern rust or common rust, they have to blow in each year from the south. Same thing for leaf and stripe rust. Um, this is, these particular rust again, don't overwinter. Stripe rust is more frequently seen in central and eastern Nebraska. Yield losses can be up to 14%. So again, variety selection, we know there's big differences in resistance um, among our varieties. Again, timely scouting and spraying foliar fungicides. Uh, we have quite a few options when it comes to fungicide options for controlling leaf rust, unlike we do with Fusarium head blight. Next on my radar, so I rank Fusarium head blight is one, leaf rust is two, and stripe rust is three. Stripe rust has become a more frequent problem, so it's probably right up there with leaf rust now. Again, leaf stripe rust doesn't overwinter. Uh, you can see that the rust is more of a Texas longhorn orange versus a, a brick red, um, and the pattern of which you see those rust pustules is different. Um, so it's not too hard to separate. Again, we've had significant issues over the past 10 years. Yield losses on fields that have the serious issue with stripe rust left unsprayed can be 40%. And I've seen this happen before. Uh, one grower left the field unsprayed, everybody else sprayed theirs, and when I heard yields at the end of the year, um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a huge surprise. So again, there is differences among the varieties for resistance to stripe rust. Um, some of the varieties we've had in the past that were resistant to stripe rust are now maybe moderately resistant. There has been race changes, and, and so we continue the, to battle with um, breeders keeping up with resistance and breeding resistance for stripe rust as, as the stripe rust race changes have, have been occurring. So again, timely scouting and foliar fungicides. So what type of yield responses might you expect to get from foliar fungicides? Uh, this is a study conducted in, in Lincoln here at Lancaster County across six different varieties. Um, the average um, 
yield difference here um, was a nine bushel advantage, and this would be at flag leaf for, for, for leaf and stripe rust, a nine bushel advantage in 2014, 12 bushel advantage in 2015. Um, and some previous years, we've seen as much as a 20 bushel yield increase due to foliar sporangicides for control of, of leaf and stripe rust. So again, when you start penciling out the cost of fungicide application and the product, um, you, out of any crop, corn, soybean, and winter wheat in eastern Nebraska, um, from what I've seen, you're more likely to pay and make money spraying a foliar fungicide in wheat uh, more frequently than you would corn and soybeans. Okay, we'll uh, keep moving on. Um, we've got a few minutes left here. I want to talk a little bit about some of the other resources available on planting date and seeding rate. Um, here's a new planting date recommendation map um, based on recent weather data and accumulating 400 degree units in the fall um, from planting date to the end of December. Um, some previous work in the 1980s looked at we needed about 400 growing degree units in wheat, um, base temperature 40. Um, to really uh, maximize yield or give us the opportunity to, to maximize yield. Um, if we shorten that and don't have enough, um, we can increase seeding rate, but we're, we're, we're fighting a losing battle in terms of wheat potential. So for Northeast Nebraska, we're looking at October 1st or before um, for a band from kind of Blair um, down to Grand Island, October 5th. We get into further Southeast Nebraska um, where I'm located. It'd be nice if we could get field wheat planted uh, prior to October 10th, and then the far southeast corner down by Fall City, um, October 15th. We do have a new map available to um, growers and agronomists. So we are calculating daily at our Mesonet weather stations, the growing degree units. So I did capture an image here of what our growing degree units were at the end of December for this year. Um, so for with an October 5th or October 15th planning date, we did reach that 400 growing degree unit for Lincoln. Southern Lancaster, um, Southeast Nebraska, over into Odo County. If you look up in Northeast Nebraska though, if we had planted wheat on October 15th this year after soybeans up in the far Northeast corner, we were only at 249 growing degree units. So um, these would be the target dates and to make this happen after soybeans, it, it growers did a great job this year just because soybean harvest was happened a little sooner. Um, there's always an opportunity if you're gonna have one or two wheat fields to maybe plant those one or two fields to a shorter um, season or maturity soybean. We know from looking at soybean yields that there's some really good um, early two, group two varieties that perform really well in terms of yield that would opportunity to give you maybe 10 days earlier to, to get in on winter wheat planting than, than a fuller season variety. Again, encourage you to use certified wheat and there's some reasons for that. One is to make sure you're buying the variety that you think you're buying. And second, there's some important information on here in terms of, of germination percentage. Um, so seeding rate, our starting, my starting recommendation is actually at 1.2 million um, seeds per acre here for Eastern Nebraska and then increasing as we delay uh, planting. We do know there's some yield losses with decreasing seeding rate below 1.2 on average here um, in Eastern Nebraska. Um, one thing I wanted to hop to quick before we move to general questions for Osler and I, I do have a calculator here for Eastern Nebraska that I'll be updating again moving forward, but you can pick your week of planting. You enter from your certified seed tag, the germination, purity, seed size, and it'll tell you what your target pounds per acre should be on your drill. Um, that's always uh, a guess. I always tell producers and corn, if your target plant population for corn was 28,000 plants per acre and you seeded 20,000 
for a, a versus 40,000 for a, a corn plant population, you may not be too happy at, at trying to get to 28,000. And that's fairly common in winter wheat because we don't account for the variation in seed size by being the number one factor uh, when we're calibrating and setting up our drills. So this is just really to help with that. So with that, I'm gonna move to the end of my presentation and just let you know there's a lot of information that I didn't get to, um, which I knew and wanted, that's why I asked you for what your preference was and you picked varieties and fungicides, but there's a lot more information. Feel free to contact me and visit my website. It's croptechcafe.org slash winterwheat. And there's, uh, you can reach me via Twitter or email. So thanks for your time this morning. Um, and I hope you enjoy the day ahead. <laughs>